Today's episode of Home Row is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it also inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Home Row. And on today's episode, we are we are treading new grounds. We are going across the pond and we are going international. We've we've broken through the glass ceiling that is the Atlantic Ocean and through the media waves of Skype, we're able to have Tim Chester on. Tim, how are you? All right, thank you. Good to talk to you. It's good to have you on the show. And so for the listeners out there who, who don't know who you are, would you mind just telling them a little bit about yourself, um, family, uh, job, and, and what you do over there in England? Uh, yes, I'm married to Helen for a number of years. Can't quite remember how many, but Uh-oh. somewhere between 25 and 30. Um, we have two daughters uh, who are both uh, in their twenties now, and uh, I'm pastor of a church in a place, little town called Boroughbridge, town of about three thousand people in North Yorkshire. Uh, and I'm also work a couple of days a week for Crosslands Training, providing uh, training church leaders in the context of ministry. And then I write books. That's the other thing that I do. Now I feel like the first book of yours that I read was uh, Total Church. I feel like that. I feel like that's the first one or that you and you and Timis wrote together, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yes, I can't say whether it was the first book that you read that you read of mine, <laughs> right, but uh, right. I did write it with Steve Timis. Right. So that, that bit I can confirm. Yeah, you, yeah, we can, we can confirm that. We can validate that. What was it like working with Steve? Uh, I mean, Steve and I have um, uh, been colleagues and partners and friends for a long time. Uh, it. We, we in, in 2000, well, in fact, we, we met through a fraternal that we were both part of. And I can remember the first time I really kind of got into conversation with him, just began to realize that he was someone who had the same sort of basic theology as me, who's evangelical and reformed, but had the same uh, theology and understanding of church. And that was, uh, I hadn't really sort of come across someone who kind of combined those two things. And, uh, a little while later, Steve asked uh, if I would come and plant a church with him in Sheffield in the north of England. And uh, so I jumped at that opportunity. And so we we, we had been sort of uh, working together, uh, church planting for a number of years when we then started writing together. Now, Steve... And that's been great. Steve, Steve, Steve is a very creative thinker, uh, very clear thinker. Uh, but I think he would be the first to admit that he doesn't like the process of actually writing things mm. down. And so um, so we worked on separate chapters, but then he gave me quite a bit of freedom to kind of do the final knocking it into one coherent uh, piece. So that right. worked quite well. He, he was very sort of generous in that respect. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job on that book. It's super helpful. Now, Steve and I have had many disagreements over the years, just you know, with him, um, both of us being an X-29 and being able to see each other a um, few, few times a year at different X-29 events. But one of the big disagreements we had was over the 
the nature of BBC's Sherlock and whether or not <laughs> whether or not it's a good show. Now, as an American, I love it. I think it's great. I, I like Benedict Cumberbatch. He has a cool name, and I like Martin Freeman. They're good actors. So what is your take on BBC's Sherlock? Well, I've never discussed this with Steve, so I can't comment on his opinion. But, I, I mean, I like it, yes. But, you know, it's not it's not Arthur Conan Doyle. But uh, there we are. It's quite fun to have a kind of creative retelling of that. I do think it's got slightly worse as the series went on. It got a little bit too kind of um, uh, sort of self-referential. Um, and uh, we sort of lost the basic idea of solving crimes. But right. uh, nevertheless, it yeah, was, the, yeah, it was the last stuff. season. Yeah, the last season was by far my least favorite. Are there any other BBC shows? You know, I don't know if you know. I mean, Americans love BBC shows. So, is there anything out there that we should be watching? Maybe that you know we're not aware of. Oh, I don't like, know. That's, like, I mean, like I, I just I like finished Broadchurch. Uh, yes, my wife watched Broadchurch. I, I sort of tend to avoid anything that's a little bit too... Um, I don't like watching things that involve violence towards women and children, even 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 though I know it's sort of... Uh, anyway, it just leaves me sort of unsettled. Right. Oh, yeah, the first season was um, horrifying. Yes, so uh, I steered clear of that. Uh, one of the ones I love is not BBC. It's, it's one of our other... Um, uh, broadcasters, and that's a program called Vera, which is about set in uh, Northumbria. Uh, it's in the northeast of England, okay. and it's about a sort of middle-aged woman detective uh, who's rather acerbic, and uh, but with a sort of heart of gold kind of thing. Mm. And uh, she solves crimes. She's a member of the police, so that's one of my favourites. But yeah, that's something that my wife and I like to do is watch a detective series together. Oh, perfect! That's that was going to be my next question. I always ask every guest. What's something they they do for fun? So is is watching detective shows? Is that going to be your answer, or is there something else that, uh, that you do oh, for fun? I mean, uh, I mean, I love walking. I just love walking. Um, uh, my wife and I have got an allotment. I don't know if you have an allotments in the United States. Do no. I think there's a rather weird British institution. It's basically uh, an area of land that's parcelled up into sort of garden sized plots, and uh, then you can um, apply to to rent one for a fairly nominal sum of money uh, in order to grow vegetables. So that's what we do. It's a plot on the edge of town where we wow. go and grow our vegetables. Uh, it's quite a common thing in the UK, yeah. but I don't know anywhere else in the world where they've come up with this crazy idea. No. And so this this is sort of. So there's a sort of big field full of all these little plots, and then you get to know the people next to you and so on. So it's, oh, yeah. We don't have anything like that. Very British institution. Yeah. Nothing. So I'm, I'm in Texas um, in, in Houston, and it's crazy hot all the time. And to walk anywhere in Houston is just not – it's not going to happen. Everything's an hour away. Grocery stores 30 minutes away. I mean, everything's just so spread out. It's just a gigantic city, and it's always so hot. And so, you know, I fluctuate between, you know, 10 pounds or so a year. And every summer is when I gain my weight. It's just so hot outside. You can't go anywhere. And the winter is when I lose it. So I'm ready for winter. Yes. I think I was made to live in northern climates. Yeah. If you're ever if you're ever in Texas, you want to you want to come in December. That's when you want to be here. Now, now for writing, you have written a ton of of books if you guys if for listeners you can go to the show notes you can see um, a link to tim's amazon author page and tim do you know off the top of your head how many books you've published 
I I'm afraid I don't know, and uh, I mean it's it, yeah no I don't know it's it's over it, it it's somewhere in the forties I don't know yeah like yeah I I mean I'm just skimming so you can change came out in 2013 a meal with Jesus 2011 man total church has been out almost ten years came out in 2008 uh, yes yeah we ought to have marked that tenth anniversary in some way but yeah we are. that's been and gone yeah everyday church kind of a follow up to to total church also written with Steve. Um, closing the window steps to living porn free that came out in 2012. And then you have a, a few commentary, uh, lay level commentaries with the good book company in the for you series. And I'm actually reading your, uh, Exodus for you series right now. Um, I'm preaching through Exodus and really, really, really enjoying that. Good. But man, you have so much. I mean, it's another one. One came out in 2018 <laughs> Bible matters. Um, what's, what's that one about? Uh, it is it is essentially a doctrine of scripture uh, written at a kind of um, for, for, for ordinary Christians. So that's that, that's what it is. Uh, but but the particular kind of um, edge that I wanted to give to that was just to make clear to people that the Bible is a is a relational book. Uh, it's not just that God wrote it. 2,000 years ago through the inspiration of the Spirit, through the human authors and so on. But actually, God speaks through his word today in a very dynamic, relational, intentional, covenantal way. So just to recapture that idea for people, I think one of the things I was struck by is did a lot of work around the Reformation, because obviously that was um, anniversary of that was last year. And one of the things that just struck me is how what a common theme that was in the writing of the Reformers, this idea that God speaks actively now through his word. And, um, I mean, Luther has a wonderful quote, which I won't remember, but essentially he sort of says that if, if we knew that God was speaking somewhere in town, we would walk with blooded feet to hear him speak. Right. And yet that's what happens every time when we gather in the church and the word is preached. It is God himself who is speaking to us. So it's capturing that kind of dynamic, relational idea that I wanted to sort of, and then really just to see how that impacted all the other aspects of the doctrine of scripture that we're, we're familiar with and how we read it and what it means to read it. So uh, that's what, yeah, that's what that book is. Yeah, I, I just keep looking at your Amazon author page and it's got 10 pages <clears throat> listed of, of stuff. And you have one written on the Ascension with uh, Johnny Woodrow that came out, when does it say, 2013, I think is what it says. Yeah, 2013. And then you have two coming out this year. We, Tim and I were talking before the show. I was like, and I asked him, I was like, you do have a book coming out soon, don't you? And he's like, oh, there's always something coming out, always something. And so I know you've got two books coming out this year, uh, one called Reforming Joy, a conversation between Paul, the reformers, and the church today, which we can talk about that, but also another one on enjoying God, which we can we can talk about that in a moment. But how did you become a writer? Did you know as a as a boy in playing, you know, in England, drawing in the sand, like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be doing this for a profession for, for my life? Uh no, no. I was too busy out playing sport to uh to be thinking in those terms. Um no, I don't. I mean, I, I suppose as a late teen, you know, I had one of those sort of angsty teenager, a couple of years of sort of writing poetry. Uh, that 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 happened, as is often the case. Um, and then I studied theology at university. Uh, I, 
I yes, I don't. I think I think the things that made me a writer were one was learning Greek when I did my theological studies. That taught me good grammar. It's actually when I learnt my English grammar was uh, when I was learning Greek. Hmm. Uh, and then I got a job working for a Christian development agency, and I was doing a lot of writing for them. And I had to write on very complex topics for, and I had sort of 750 words, or you know. And suddenly you had to make every single word count, and right. that was a very good discipline for me uh, to be just forced to write. Uh, yeah, well, as I say, just just aware that every word had to count. So every sentence had to be written and then rewritten and rewritten again until you'd got it absolutely perfect, because you were trying to say a lot of, in, in a very little space of time. So that was a great uh, sort of um, training ground, really, for me. Uh, I didn't really think of my I'd, I'd written a book before I thought of myself as being a good writer or really what I what it was is before I realized that other people couldn't necessarily write straightforwardly. I was doing a, I worked on a sort of change management project when I worked uh, for the Christian Development Agency. And um, in the course of that, it became apparent that I could write written communications. And, uh, you know, it sort of constantly defaulted to me to do that because other people struggled to do that. And I just kind of assumed that writing was something anyone could do. Uh, And it took me a while to realize that that's not necessarily the case. And, um, so, yes, that, that's kind of how it was. So, yeah, no, I kind of, I mean, I always love writing. I love writing. I love words. I love the construction of sentences. Perhaps that goes back to those early teenage poetry days. So I love all of that. Uh, so um, it's I, I, I never regard it as a hardship. Um, but, yes, it took me a while to realize that this might be something that I could could do and could contribute to the wider church. Were there any people, like, you could think about, you know, went from the maybe when your first, you know, book or, or piece that you submitted or, or anything like that, that people that you look at and go, man, they really encouraged me um, and, and pushed me forward in, in my writing. Um, uh, I, I guess uh, there were a number of people who, I mean, some of, you know, the people who published my early works, they, they took a punt really on me in terms of, uh, uh, I wasn't well known. Um, I wasn't someone who became famous doing something else, and then somebody. So then people said, "Oh, let's, um, you know, would you write a book because you're already well known?" That seems to be how a lot of Christian publishing has gone in recent years. Right. You kind of become famous as a preacher or a planter, or so, you, you become famous in, in, independently of writing, and then people want to. Then, therefore, people want you to write. It's almost like celebrity authors, a sort of Christian version of celebrity authors. Uh, that was not the case for me. Uh, and so, you know, some people early on, people like Tim Thornborough, who is the uh, managing editor of the Good Book Company, uh, really looking back, you know, invested an extraordinary amount of confidence in this sort of unknown person. Uh, and... Um, and were willing to um, publish me, and the same would be true of uh, IVP, which is the sort of which is one of, uh, evangelical publishing uh, company in the UK here, who published some of my early stuff. A guy called Derek Tidball asked me to um, contribute to the Bible Speaks Today series, and I wrote an early wrote on prayer. And to this day, it's sort of uh, slightly mysterious to me why he was willing to do that. But because um, again, I was not 
well known at all. Um, but he did, and that was um, that was very exciting. I suppose the other. I mean, I did a PhD under a theologian called Stephen Williams, and uh, he was very uh, helpful to me and influential. And again, he put my name forward to uh, to do to as a potential writer of of a book early on. And uh, so that gave me a bit of a, a leg up, I suppose, in the process. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that's that, those are some of the people that were were helpful to me in those early days. Yeah. So when when you when you sit down to write, when you look back over your maybe writing habits and just routines from those early days to today, I mean, what would you say your your habits are are like? Do you um, are you a morning writer? Are you I, I want to have big chunks of time. I need six hours or, Hey, I'm, I'm getting my car, you know, worked on at the auto shop. I'm going to, I'm going to write a chapter here real, real quick. Uh, I think, uh, it's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I love writing. Uh, I, I prefer to write at my desk. Uh, it's just a little bit quieter. Everything's to hand. Uh, I've got the big screen in front of me instead of a little tiny, uh, laptop screen. Um, uh, so that's that's where I prefer to write, and it's nice to have a block of time. Uh, but there's, there are always jobs you can do in bits and pieces of time, uh, books to read, uh, bits of editing that can be done in, in just sort of fragments of time. Uh, but some some of the task of writing any writing any book just involves holding a lot of ideas in your head, and it's almost like you're moving them around in your head, and those require just a bit of quiet and a bit of time just to do that work. Occasionally, I'll um, if I really get stuck on a chapter, I'll sometimes um, print it all out, lay it all out on the floor, and then cut it up and and move physically move the. Um, the pieces of paper across the floor until I'm I'm happy that it's in an order that that really works. That's one thing. One of the things I do. I think one of the things that's changed is I, I used to have a kind of rubric that in writing any book there would it would the manuscript would reach a point where uh, I would then have to take out a third to a half of the words. So if I was writing a book that was going to be 40,000 words it would get to a point where it was 60 to 70,000 words and then I would take 20,000 30,000 mm. out so hard and I would uh no well I love it oh you I, love I, you I, love I chopping stuff out. I think there's a sort of pure, I, you know if I'm feeling a bit down one of the things I like to do is have a clear out you know clear some cupboards out or whatever and I think I feel a little bit about that about that that writing process that there's it's uh, you know every now and then there's a thing you think well that's really quite good but it's got to go you know so yeah. but 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 I love that kind of just honing it really getting it sharp um but I think over the years that <clears throat> I, I I do more of that as I go along yeah that's good so one of the things I've learned is is to sort of I do more of that editorial process actually as I'm writing. Yeah, that which is a um, which is a diversion from the typical like writing advice that's out there. It's usually, you know, just type 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 type, get everything out that you can and then go back, fine fine tune it. You know, take that fine tooth comb and go through it and edit. But I go back and forth. Like there are sometimes where I don't want to move on until I have this paragraph the way I want it. Yes, and yeah, and it depends a little bit, kind of where you're at in the process. Um, so yes, I mean, I, I will sometimes do the 
write anything kind of you know if you, if you're a bit stuck then write anything uh, and then just sort of splurge it all out one of the joys of you know word processing as opposed to the old-fashioned sort of handwriting or typing where that ways you can just sort of splurge it all out and then see what you've got um but yes i'm, I'm just doing a little bit more of the self-editing as i go along these days yeah yeah that's really great what are what do you think are some of the the challenges that that you face as as a writer and, and how you overcome them whether that's like writer's block or ideas um are just motivation. Uh, what are some of the challenges you faced in, in writing your, your two books that are coming out this year? Maybe that'd be, can narrow the window down. Uh, I mean, in terms of those issues, I don't tend to have, I've not so far, uh, thankfully had much of an issue with writer's bluff. Many, many might say that I have the opposite problem. Um, and I'm always coming up with ideas. I try not to have ideas. That's, you know, I, there's a sort of sense in the process where, uh, there's, there's, there's often a moment where I get gripped by the idea of a book and it's, it's almost like then, then there's a sort of inner compulsion to write it. And I think that's quite important. I think I don't want to sort of to turn out books with no sort of passion or energy just to sort of crank the handle as it were and knock them out. I want, uh, I often talk about, um, it's not so much that I choose to write books as books choose to be written by me. Mm. Um, that there's just a sense there's just comes a point where you've got hold of an idea and you're very, you're just desperate to kind of get this down, get these ideas together. I think by writing. Uh, so some of my books have certainly come out of me trying to wrestle with an issue and order and organize my thought and to use writing as a way of do that, doing that to really bring clarity uh, to my own thinking. Uh, I think for me anyway, writing is a great way of doing that. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, you know, if my wife, if we talk to my wife, she would say the problem is not getting me to write. It's getting me to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm, I, I generally speaking, I do enjoy it. Uh, I do enjoy the process. I'm a bit of an introvert. So sort of being holed up in my study is not a hardship for me. Um, uh, so, so yes, those are some of the issues. Uh, I'm pretty ruthless with, um, uh, social media. I, I don't really engage very much in social media. My publishers, uh, encourage me to do that, uh, you know, but I, I, I do that at a very sort of fairly minimal level. Uh, I don't, uh, look at my emails in the morning. I uh, just, uh, that's one of my little rules, um, so that there's because I think we we live in a sort of any any computer I don't have my uh, I don't so I don't have my cell phone with me I don't uh, in fact hardly at all to be honest I'm I'm a bit notorious for not ever really looking at it I use it in in the UK we call them a mobile phone uh, and that's because you you take them with you when you're out of the house and that's the mentality that I have so I if I'm going to go out, then I'll pick it up. But that's usually the only time I ever look at it. So um, people can send me texts, and I don't get them for two or three days. So yes, yeah, so you and have a pretty what, natural. I am avoiding distractions as much as I can. Well, then the other thing is, I turn off all notifications. I hate notifications with a right. passion, um, because I think that they're just a constant source of distraction, and that doesn't really allow you to work effectively. Uh, in fact, I did read once somewhere that people who have all their notifications on are as 
as uh, that it, it affects their ability to work as much as if you're um, smoking marijuana or something. Really? Like anyway, I can't I can't bring the quote to mind anyway. It's one of those sort of slightly sort of um, dramatic statistics that just sort of bring home to you yeah. um, the fact that if you're constantly being sort of pulled away to look at some tweet or email or text or whatsapp or whatever it might be then then actually that really is impairing your ability to work well yeah. so i switch all of those things off yeah that's a that's huge great advice for for writers like the only notifications i get on on my iphone are phone calls and text messages that's it i don't want emails i don't want tweets i don't want instagram notifications i don't want sports updates like nothing not breaking news yeah. something if something breaking happens someone's going to text me like I'll, I'll get it. That's I will know, but I just want that way. My wife can get a hold of me. That's really. Yeah, I mean, it's partly that I'm old enough to remember the days when we didn't have mobile phones or emails or any of these things, and and you know, we life happened. You know, we we managed to live somehow without having to know everything instantly. And um, so I have a sort of slightly um, jaundish view yeah. of all of this. Yeah, anyway, well, I should stop doing the grumpy old man routine. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's true. Um, it's true. A friend and I were just talking about this the other day. That you know, we went to to middle school together, which in the in the U.S. is like sixth grade um, to about you know eighth grade, which I don't know how old that is. It's in like starting to become a teenager years, and I think that's right. I don't know, but we didn't have cell phones back then. Um, and I would go to his house every day. I would you know we'd meet up places, and we were just talking like, how did we even find each other? Like I didn't know where you were. But I'd go to your house. Did I just drive to your house and try to find you? Like, I don't even understand how we functioned. Well, we did. Yeah. And um, anyway, so, you should steer me off the grumpy old man routine. <laughs> now, see, we want to bring more of the of the, the classic, what I know to be the Timis, you know, British flavor. And so, but you're, you're a lot more uh, friendly than, than Steve. Steve and I have a long ongoing, ongoing uh, British humor together. Now, out of all your books, what would you say would be what was the hardest for you to write, the most difficult? Uh, which, which might take a while because I know you've written about a thousand. Uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I've done a number of collaborations. They all present different kinds of challenges, uh, although that's... I find that a very creative way of working. Um, uh, they just have different challenges. You know, I wrote a book on the Trinity uh, that was quite stretching for me. Uh, and then trying to get your head around the ideas and then present them to way to people in a way that's understandable and accessible, but still does justice to what's being said. Uh, other books, I think the challenge has been to... Um, uh, just to communicate well with people. It's a different kind of challenge. Um, a number of the books, I said earlier, a lot of them were me sort of thinking issues through. So uh, some of them are, are quite personal in that sense. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, there isn't one that stands out, I'm afraid, in terms of hard to write. No, I, I, I'm not totally surprised. Um, given your vast, you know, the Chester collection of books out there. Obviously, writing is not a great challenge for you. It just has got to be just a great natural and, and a gracious gift that God's given you. 
Yeah, you, you, you need to realise that Brits don't do well with compliments. We're not quite <laughs> sure what to do with them. The uh, American friend who said it, it was he loved he loved it when Brits were given compliments because they you, you could just watch them kind of swerve out of the way. Uh, yeah. You know, in um, in the Matrix films where the bullets come flying and it all goes into slow motion and the uh, <laughs> and what's his name Neo is it and right, sort, of, right. sort of just swerve to one side to avoid it. Well, Brits, that's what Brits do. Yeah, we, there, was, uh, there was a nice we, silence. We, we definitely kind of swerve to one side to avoid any compliment. I love it. It was a, when I you know when I encouraged you, there was a nice silence there, and so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go in and post and I'm gonna edit it. I'm gonna stretch out that silence. <laughs> to be even, to be even longer, just for, for for the guests out there. Um, so you have so you have two books coming out this year: Reforming Joy, and then the other one is is called Enjoying God. Is that right? It is. Yes. Now, t- so tell us what what is Enjoying God about? Enjoying other, other, God. Other I, than enjoying God. I think <clears throat> I have high hopes for this book. I think this is a good book. Um, I think it might it could uh, I. Th- Anyway, who knows? It's not for me, really. You know, you write these books and off they go, and right. um, uh, and they have a life of their own, and you you know you have no more control over them. But I think this is a very significant book, potentially a significant book. It is about obviously it's about enjoying God. It's particularly about what it means to live in relationship with God, and what does that look like day to day? Actually, how is it that I? experience that. Uh, we talk a lot about finding joy in Christ or finding joy in God, but what does that actually mean? You know, what is, is that just a, it can, can, I think for many people just sound rather abstract. Uh, or you can imagine sort of, you know, when you're singing God's praises in, 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 uh, as, as a church on a Sunday, then you experience that sense of joy. But what does that look like on a Monday morning uh, when all the pressures of life are on? And so what the book looks at is it, it says that uh, one of the things, one of its key ideas is that we don't have a relationship with God or with the essence of God because the essence of God is unknowable. We have a relationship with the persons of God. That's how God relates, as how God has always related eternally. He's related uh, as persons in, in, in the uh, triune community. And that's how he relates to us. So he relates to us as father, as son, as spirit. Um, or, or rather, perhaps better put it, we have a relationship with the Father, we have a relationship with the Son, we have a relationship with the Spirit. And then what the book looks at is how is it that now, day to day, the Father is relating to me, and how should I respond to that? How can I respond to that? How is the Son relating to me? How do I respond? How is the Spirit relating to me? It's essentially, if this means anything to you or any of your listeners, it's essentially a kind of 21st century version of a book that John Owen, the great English Puritan theologian, wrote called Communion with God. <clears throat> so that, these are the ideas that he developed there, and I've tried to do that for the 21st century. So what I hope is that it really will be a book that uh, equips Christians to enjoy and experience a relationship with God day by day. Yeah, ah, it sounds it sounds great. I, I I love John Owen too. I've been so so blessed and encouraged by all of his writings and so many of yours too. So I, I'm sure that this will be a will be a great blessing for for people out there. How how long did it take you to, to write this book? Oh, uh, ten or fifteen years. I mean, this one has been on the back burner forever. 
I just couldn't quite. I suppose so. Maybe this is the book that it was hardest to get right in some ways. Although once it, once we, once I got it, it was, it was, it was. Anyway, uh, I've been thinking about this for some time. I suppose about five years ago, particularly, um, I realised that I personally, I, I, I had a, a very sort of strong sense of relating to God the Father. I pray to him and I'm conscious that all that happens, all the circumstances of my life are ordered by him in his providence. Uh, quite a strong sense of relating to the spirit, uh, not in the sense of sort of any sort of tingly sensations or anything like that, but just a, an awareness that any good that I did was done in the power of the spirit. Uh, and so a very sort of strong sense of, of his help with me day by day. But, but the son relating to Jesus was Jesus felt more remote. Hmm. Uh, he had died for me on the cross and risen again 2000 years ago and everything, you know, the, all the blessings that I enjoy come because of that. But that's a long time ago. And now he's ascended into heaven and that's a long way away. And so he just felt rather remote. And so I really wanted to think through for my own, for my own benefit, really, what does it mean to live in relationship now with the son of God? But then what that led me to do was to start asking everybody. I mean, I've, I've, I've asked, you know, I've bored people. I've asked all my friends and you know, peers, and then I've done conferences, and I've asked whole groups of people, uh, with which member of the Trinity do you have the greatest sort of sense of a lived, experienced relationship? And it's a really interesting question to ask yeah. people. Um, the answers are very diverse. Uh, all sorts of different answers. They don't correlate to people's kind of um, churchmanship, in my experience. It's not that all the charismatics say it's all about the spirit. That, that That's not the correlation. Um, and then in a sense, what's interesting then is actually to get to, to then have, have the conversation with people, even beyond the sort of headline answer, just to, 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 to start to talk to people about how it is that they actually experience a sense of relationship with God or not really. And, um, so that's, that's a sort of genesis of the book. It, 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 the, the struggle was I, I wanted, you know, I, sometimes I wanted to write a more kind of theological book that was an interaction with Owen. Um, and then, you know, then, then I would want to write a sort of much more pastoral book. In the end, we went for the pastoral thing and the good book company were very helpful in really knocking it into a, into a form, I think, that would be very readable for, for ordinary Christians. Yeah. There's, a, there's a kind of afterword, uh, which is a sort of, um, sort of looks under the hood a little bit at the, um, at the, kind, of, <clears throat> at the kind of theological underpinnings of, uh, of, of what's in the book itself, um, although even that isn't sort of, sort of very heavy-duty theology. But, but that's there at the end rather than sort of front-loading that so so hopefully people will find it very accessible yeah do you think um that this will be kind of your your flagship book are you are you hoping it becomes that you know a lot of authors have like you know you look at a john piper like obviously desiring god that's like his that was the book um like kind of set up his ministry and kind of maybe just not set it up but kind of captures all of it um you've got you know packer with knowing god um I mean, John Stott, he probably didn't have too much. I mean, maybe Cross of Christ was the flagship book, but he had written so much. Um, R.C. Sproul, um, The Holiness of God. Like, it just seems like sometimes authors have, like, that is 
that's like the their like flagship book. It like summarizes everything they've written about and talk about. And is you think enjoying God? Do you want enjoying God to be that, or is it that? Uh, I think I do actually. Yes, uh, or at least let's put it this way, because you know I'm obviously English. And I couldn't claim quite that, but I, if if it were to be that, then I would be very happy. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Excited. So yeah, so listener, you can go. I know you can go pre-order that now on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, it I think it's on Amazon. Yeah, comes out September first, so you want to be sure to grab that uh, from Tim. And also, uh, we can talk a little bit about you know you've got another one coming out too. Of course you do. Uh, Reforming joy, a conversation between Paul, the reformers, and the church today. Yeah, this is a sort of U.S. edition of a book that came out in the U.K. About 18 months ago, slightly with a different title actually, but with, well, in the UK, the U, UK title was Re, um, Rediscovering Joy, but it's very sort of similar. Uh, and it's a, it's, um, a, it's what it says in the subtitle, a three-way conversation between. So I wanted to do a presentation of some of the key truths of the Reformation, but in a way that was very accessible and very applied. And so uh, it's. Well, it's hard to know what it is, really. It's it's a kind of exposition of Galatians. Okay. Um, so there are five chapters, each one based on the first five chapters of Galatians. Um, but but all the time, it's it's sort of moving between 16th century Europe and the Reformation, first century Galatia and the issues they were facing, and then the issues that we face in the 21st century and some of the pastoral issues that are involved there. So it looks at the authority of scripture and justification, what it means to be the people of God, uh, uh, how it is that we can know that God loves us, uh, uh, particularly the idea of adoption, and then what it means to be free from sin and how we can overcome sin in our lives. And and all the time we're moving between these different um different contexts. So I hope people will find it a good introduction to the Reformation, um, but in a way that shows how the Reformation was rooted itself, itself was rooted in Scripture, uh, and but also how applicable the Reformation truths are, that they're not just this sort of theological debate that took place 500 years ago, but actually continue to have ex- uh, uh, important relevance for us today. Amen. Now, what? Obviously, most of the people listening to the show they are already authors, um, writers, um, and some are aspiring writers. They're maybe new writers. What what advice would you give to aspiring writers um, in terms of in, anything you want to say from from publishing to writing on um, evangelical websites or even just developing the craft and and sticking with it? Um, what what advice would you give? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked about some of the things already, just about creating that undistracted time. Um, but I think a couple of things. One, one again, another we've always kind of mentioned in passing in my own story, but I think writing to a word count uh, is a really helpful way of learning to write. So you taking, uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, if, you, if you had a blog and you said, okay, I'm going to write blog posts, but they're never going to be more than 400 words, then you've, you've got a constraint there where, which forces you to think about how you phrase every sentence, every paragraph. What does this really need? Does this word need to be in? Could another word be there? Would that work more effectively? One of the things I think that you've really got to knock into writers' heads is 
every sentence can be written 20. It's one of the joys of the English language. Every sentence can be written at least sort of 20 different ways. And you need to be exploring all those options before you move on. You know, it, don't just think the first thing you write is the best way of putting it. Probably isn't. Keep keep working on that sentence. I I don't know I, I I don't know about you, but I I'm playing around with words all the time in my head. Yeah. If I'm sort of driving and I get stuck at lights or whatever, you know, I'm I'm organizing sentences in my head. It's just this sort of thing that goes on in the. Uh, and another thing I noticed this is another sort of curse of being a writer is that I I self edit my speech as well. So I start commenting on my on my speech, you know, and you know, I sort of I could have well double negative there. You know, I start sort of adding those little <laughs> phrases in because you know I'm sort of aware of just words and how they can be phrased and rephrased. So that's a really important thing to get in your head that you you can write and. You, you need to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And I think a word count, writing to a tight word count is a great way of doing that. Yeah. But I, the other thing I would say is, and I think this, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be sound rather obvious, but people come to me and say, oh, I'm, I'd love to write a book. Uh, I'd really want to write a book. I want to be a writer. And I say, all right, what, what do you want to write? You know, what, what, what do you, what's your book going to be about? And they don't know. And I said, well, what is, you know, the, the point is not writing. The point is actually communicating something that's worth something important. And so don't, you know, in a sense, yeah, you know, don't come and tell me that you've got, a, that you want to write a book with, without being able to tell me what that book is about. I, in other words, every book has to really, um, there must be that sort of compulsion to get these ideas out into the wider world. Um, uh, not just to sort of, it, it's not about you being a writer. It's about idea, important ideas being uh, made available to people in a way that will serve them. And so you've got to start with ideas. And if you've got nothing to say, then please don't spend a lot of time saying nothing. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, I read some books and I think, well, somebody's just sort of just turn the handle and crank this out. I, I, I want there to be a real sense of, there'd be a sense in the book of a sort of compulsion that, that this, this really matters to me, the author, and I'm desperate to tell you about this because this is really important stuff. I mean, particularly, I guess, with Christian writing, but I think the same is true of fiction and other things like that, 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 that in those areas as well, there's got to be a sort of sense of, 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 of a real strong desire to write this. Yeah, man, that's really good advice. I think the the writing to a word count is huge. When I when I try to write on my my personal blog, I do. I'm I'm aiming between six and eight hundred words, unless I know like this is I'm making a long argument from something from church history, like on a particular topic or whatever. Then I'll try to go to a thousand. But yeah, I always try to keep them short. And I find most like the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God, and when people submit pieces there, they have a word count goal in mind then I, I think that's just great advice for people to stop from being long-winded and to shrink it down, communicate the idea, communicate it well. That's huge. Well, Tim, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. And I know that you mentioned that you're not super active on social media. So is, is there any place where you tell people to go and follow <laughs> you? Or be I like, do have a blog and I do have, I am on Twitter, and uh, it's kind of the same. My blog is timchester.co.uk, and the Twitter 
thing handle is it whatever it's called is tim chester co uk so tim chester co uk there you go you got it it's the it's the web it's the blog address without the dots in and i and i think um i'm not i'm not staying too far uh, i'm not staying too uh, up to date with the world cup right now um but i think england won is that correct england are through to the semi-finals okay for the first time in 28 years it's huge something like that, something like that. Yeah, but we've kind of had an easy run, so um, and um, so yeah. Hey, I, I hope they keep going. Do you think they have a real chance to win it? Uh, no. I think by the time this episode airs, we'll we will know. Oh uh, uh, right, okay. But well, then be... why don't we edit a number of different answers to that question <laughs> so that I look like I know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we can. Uh, we can... I I I think we have a sort of fifty. We're playing Croatia in the semi final. We have a fifty fifty chance there. So we could we could easily get. We you know we it, it's quite possible that we could get through, and it's quite possible that we might not. Uh, then we will play either France or Belgium, and uh, that will be quite tough. And you know it's one of those ones where, you know probably. Two times out of ten, we might beat France or Belgium, it, it, given the current uh, the current sides. But you never know; might be one of those occasions on Sunday. So you never know. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Yep. Hope, love, love believes all things. Tim, love believes all things. <laughs> You're obviously not English because in, <laughs> in England we uh, have quite the other opposite. That, of course. Putting uh, aside means. Yeah. Fearing the worst, always fearing the worst. Oh yeah, well, then as an American, so yeah, I have that like rebellious. We're gonna do it, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, strand in my DNA. But then I'm also Texan, which was yeah, we are also our own country too. So I got that both of those working working for me here. So it is what it is. But Tim, thanks thanks for coming on the show, and okay. uh, I hope sure. looking forward to to getting your new books and uh, God save the Queen. Uh, indeed you, you're welcome back at any time 